Welcome once again to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. It is once again the Ben Man here with my co-host. Andrew, not deleted, still here so far. <laughs> and hopefully here to stay. Hopefully. So, over Christmas. Darwin willing. Up to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it is largely up to me. <laughs> that is... <laughs> Uh, Over Christmas, I received the gift of the official script book for the Batman, so that's what we're going over today on the podcast. So So your Christmas present led to this. Yes. uh, To be fair, I asked for it, so it was was kind of planned. Mommy dearest, would you please? Give me the Batman. Give me the Batman original script book. (laughs) Not the movie, but the script book. (laughs) Because the script book will be more in handy for our show. Uh, that is true. I oh, you did. know what? I haven't even thought about getting this on Blu-ray yet. Man. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm we're slipping. so used to HBO Max. I know. Uh, we're so used to the streaming now. I know. But if they're going to take things off of streaming now, then <laughs> people have made that argument. Like, maybe it is time for us to go back to physical media a lot more. Maybe so. they'll sell it to Netflix. Nah, never. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, they actually did release this script online. Uh, shortly after I got this book, but whatever. It's cool to have it in your hand. It also comes with some uh, of the pictures from the movie. Uh, So that's a cool addition. But I figured we would look into the differences between the film and the published script, including deleted scenes, moments that didn't make it in, even like small stuff that make it in. Yes, believe it or not, there are deleted scenes from this three-hour movie. So (laughs) let's go into it. It's short a lot, though, right? Real quick, from the top. Yeah. Did they cut all the good stuff out or is like there's some stuff in here you wish was in it? You know, I will let you judge that, but okay. I will say that it will this will not be something that is like Batman Forever where you're just like, okay. man, an entire okay. subplot's gone. Like there's, there's yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. really huge. It's just small, very small moments here and there. And plus a few okay. scenes that we might the biggest one people already have seen. You know, it's the oh, Joker one. Yeah, the Joker one. That's I'm sure most one. people listening to this know about that part. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to give you anything as big as the Joker moment in here. But it's still worth going over other things. So okay. script is credited, of course, to Matt Reeves and Peter Craig with, it's not in the script book, but it is is in the released online version, previous contributions by Mattson Tomlin, who we've Our boy. Uh, mentioned before. Yes. Uh, Actually, we, we do not know him. We don't yeah. know him. <laughs> we act as if we do just because he's <laughs> he seems so fun. Uh, the thing is, Matt and Tomlin is about our age. Yeah, that's so why. it's just like it's like we kind of root for him because he's doing mm-hmm. you know Batman scripts and shit, like actual legit Batman scripts. So yeah, and the Imposter comic book uh, series, which yeah, I like. yeah. So uh, he's not credited on the final film, likely due to WGA arbitration, but we do know he is currently working with Reeves on the script for the sequel. So he's here to stay. They mentioned him specifically too. Like they must have mm-hmm. liked his contributions to the first one. And so they bring him on, you know, we liked your ideas. We're going to give you a bigger role in writing the next one. I don't know. We're just speculating. Yeah. But that's the way it seems. Yeah. Reeves has been, <laughs> there was like news articles on Reeves saying we are deep into writing the next one. I'm like, we needed news articles to tell us this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just trying to give him something, man. There's another one where it was just like the Penguin Show will connect to the Batman too. I was like, oh really? I thought it was going to be completely separate. No, it's going to be a Penguin verse, <laughs> and then there'll be the Reeves verse, and they might intersect. 
There's just going to be like several, you know, four or five different verses at DC. Penguin's got his own cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah. It'll be Penguin No Way Home with him and Danny DeVito and the Colin verse. Yeah. So the uh, let's go into some of the deleted stuff. So one of the first things I noticed is in the voiceover in the beginning. There's some added lines that we do not hear Bruce say in the movie. He discusses how the criminal element is waiting to prey on the vulnerable. And he also talks about, you know, that he's got that line about two years of nights have turned me into a nocturnal animal. Yeah. And he carries over that metaphor feeling like his senses have now heightened. And he says, I can almost smell them in the element. So <laughs> uh, maybe they took that out <laughs> because people might uh, create some jokes on that. But I feel like I'm is... developing echolocation. <laughs> Or he's got a bit of a Wolverine type of thing going on, too. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I can see them taking out the smell line for sure. They, I sense something was up with this because this is actually in the young adult prequel novel Before the Batman by David Lumen that we've discussed before on the Patreon. Uh, and the author was working off the script, but it has an epilogue that is essentially the opening of the Batman with the line, you know, I can almost smell them like that part. Okay. That part. And I'm like, that's kind of. That's not in the movie is what I remember when I got to that part in the book. So now I know why it's in the original script. Mm hmm. OK. So, uh, there are also some interesting costume differences in the script versus the movie. First off is the drop head, who is the guy who's basically holding up the convenience store in the script. It says he's supposed to be wearing a sad emoji mask. So uh, they made an interesting choice here where they decided to make it more of the, uh, I guess, indicative of the drops drugs that are going around. Uh, this in the is movie. A, what's in the movie is a better choice. It being an emoji thing is just like too playing to the kids. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's too pandering. I, I like this drophead, although it's it is make me wonder. Like at first, when because you don't really know what drops are in the movie just yet. I feel like yeah. you're like, what is this? It's supposed to be like kind of a fucked up punk pumpkin or something. Like I, my mind was really trying to wrap my head around this character. But like I've said before, the first fifteen minutes or so of this movie are probably my favorite part of the whole thing it's a solid opening yeah i, I, I think it's part. great yeah Let's see uh this drophead also in the movie is caught in the spotlight of the helicopter which makes him look up and notice the bat signal in the script we don't really have that moment he instead goes outside and he sees other people looking up and he follows okay. their gaze signal. so uh slightly different there another interesting costume change is that in the opening there are also these vandals who are spray painting on the bank and stuff and then they see the the bat signal when they they take off in the in the movie they're just wearing like regular like masks and face coverings and stuff uh, but in the script it says that they're we wearing guy fox masks which would have been an interesting uh visual connection to v for vendetta but not really necessary i mean it's that's there's no way that would have made it it's, it's kind of political with like it's too anonymous associated yeah, yeah with anonymous and all that it's just mm -hmm. like honestly don't even know why they wrote it to begin with because they know it's going to be taken out yeah again like I'm, I'm telling you the stuff that got cut out you're going to be like well nothing too huge yeah I yeah like what we I, got in the movie i like hearing this though but yeah i could just see i mean i loved v for vendetta dude thought it was a great movie you know yeah. uh but in this political different association these days yeah 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 for sure uh so one of the most famous trailer moments is in the basically the introduction of Batman when he beats up the gang leader and says, I'm vengeance. Uh, great part. But the script was very different in the, in the script. The leader 
like in the movie, says, who the hell are you supposed to be? And Batman responds, I'm vengeance, before he beats the guy up. So it would have shifted the dynamic more. I think they determined when they were shooting it, this plays out a lot better when he says it after he beats the ever-loving shit out of this guy in front of everyone. Right, right, right. So I think that was a good choice. There was also yeah. a line that was cut where one of the other gang members at the last minute recognizes it's Batman and says, holy shit, it's him. Which is like, I think this kind of maybe whispered a little bit, but like you don't, it, it's not as pronounced as in the script. So right. uh, I think yeah, it well, he has two years in, so it's not totally out of the question. Someone would say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because the guy doesn't recognize him on site anyway, you know, in the movie or in the script, which is, as you said, makes sense. And plus it's Halloween. So you can see the misinterpretation that it's not, it's just some dude who's walking in with a Halloween costume. Right, right, right. Uh, another interesting detail is the script identifies that Bruce is 30 years old in this, which means that he would have been 29 in year one. Uh, for comparison, in the year one comic, he was 25 turning 26. So he's a little bit older, uh, but he's also still younger than Bale's Batman, who is 29 turning 30 in Batman Begins, since he has his birthday party and there's the the, the number 30 in the background in Begins. So He's around similar age to Bale, still younger than Keaton, since Keaton in the uh, script stuff is meant supposed to be 32 to 35 uh, as a year one Batman, which these days sounds like it's much older than in the comic. But that's, uh, you know, they tailored that to who was being cast at the time. Okay. so uh, another interesting detail. This is something that I think would have been interesting to basically add into it, which is that we were meant to see the padlock door to Thomas and Martha Wayne's room earlier in the movie as Bruce is changing in the hallway just to establish that earlier. I would have liked that um, Mm -hmm. because it kind of is just sort of introduced to you much later in the movie and then that's it. Like they don't really do much with it outside of just the scene where you you get introduced to it, he goes in and then that's it. Right. uh, I think this would have built it up a little bit more in terms of like, what is that place? What, it, you know, why is it locked? All those sorts of aspects. Um, another thing that I thought was cool was in the description, it is noticed that Bruce is described as, quote, muscular, but underweight like a rock star. So, <laughs> okay. It's very interesting because a lot of people have criticized Pattinson's physique, but this looks very deliberate where they didn't want him to be, uh, you know, buffed out like John Cena. And we've talked about, it several times on the on the pod before, but it it's basically continuing Reeves's influence of Bruce as like a Kurt Cobain type, and I guess he wanted a similar type of physique for that. So what we got in the movie is deliberate for how Reeves envisions Bruce in his second year. Right. Yeah. Well, we don't need every one of the Batman to be a brick shit house, you know, yeah. and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Batfleck was cool, but also this is this is just fine. Uh in the movie, Bruce talks with Alfred before. The, uh, the maid Dory announces that the Wayne executives have arrived. And then it kind of just cuts to the Batcave. In the script, there was supposed to be a scene. This is the, our first major deleted scene here. There was supposed to be a scene where he does meet with the Wayne executives. And they show okay. up and Bruce uh, is distracted. He's wearing the sunglasses during the day that's coming through the windows, which is where this shot from the trailer comes from. Uh, the yeah, shot yeah, from yeah. the trailer is, is not in the movie. We do see him don the sunglasses, but we don't actually see him looking at the newspaper. In the... Okay, go ahead. So about the sunglasses, my little tidbit, and I think you know this, Ben. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, Matts and Tomlin. 
we see him on uh, Twitter all the time. Yeah. And he's a huge Matrix fan. He's watching the Matrix like all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think somebody tweeted at him like, this was your idea, wasn't it? And he just responded with like a, I don't know. He didn't confirm it, of course, but it was like a it's smiley a emoji or something yeah. like that. You know, yeah. it's just it's <laughs> like he wanted he wanted Bruce to be wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Again, cool don't idea. know for sure if that was Tomlin's idea, but maybe. It's a cool idea that yeah. he's been out at night, so it makes him averse to like yeah. even looking at it. So he has to wear that. So the uh, the Wayne executives visit, but Bruce is so distracted he's not even paying attention to what they're talking about. He's looking at the newspaper. He's looking at the cipher and thinking of the Riddler. And then the next scene is what we got in the movie where he's talking to Alfred. Uh, I was hoping there'd be more to this, especially in dealing with, like it's built up a little bit in the previous scene where Alfred is, you know, sort of yelling at Bruce that like, I couldn't get them, you get you to come to them. So I'm bringing them over to you. And uh, they don't really do much with, uh, with that aspect. So that's probably why it was cut. You know, it, it serves the exact purpose that you would think, but there's nothing surprising, nothing super dramatic that happens in it. Yeah, so ultimately cut like it was, like yep. what, like what happened. I think that was a good call. The only way, the only reason why I missed it was, uh, or felt like I was missing it in the movie, was because of the fact that we got this shot from the trailer that we didn't get to see in the movie, as yeah. well as you know some buildup of like, oh, the Wayne executives are here, then we didn't actually see them. But now that we know the scene didn't lead anywhere, you can understand that. It must have almost made it because if it's in the trailer, it's like it might have been in a cut, the cut for a while. And then it yeah. was ultimately cut kind of near the end of, it, of the editing mm-hmm. process. You can also see in this, this is basically a shot below of the uh, behind the scenes featurette off of somebody's TV. Uh, that's as close as I could get to <laughs> this. But uh, you can kind of see the continuation of the, the rock star influence. You got uh, a bit of a guitar on the left um oh yeah got speakers they're <laughs> you know, totally got, doing that yeah you got you got all that there so that would have been part of the scene too i could see him being buds with with james gunn too like james gunn always really infuses music mm-hmm. really strongly with this stuff like i don't know if you've started peacemaker yet ben but instead of like the mom rock and the dad rock of well it's all kind of dad rock at this point i feel like but they always called guardians of the galaxy stuff mom rock but he's mm-hmm. got like you know, for Peacemaker, it's like 80s glam metal kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And but it's so strongly infused in it, and it makes it work. And like I, I, I like I just really like how you can confu- they, they kind of combine, you know, he's had this, in, uh, you know, the rock star thing was kind of really part of the DNA from the get go here mm-hmm. with uh, the Kurt Cobain thing was not an afterthought. It's like seems like it was really like from the from the outset. That was his take for Bruce Wayne from the beginning. Yeah. Such an interesting take. Like no one ever really thought about that. Hopefully Bruce doesn't kill himself with a fucking shotgun, but I don't think that's (laughs) that part is going to be part of it. But, but uh, but yeah, something in the way is identified in the script. Oh, really? It comes on the sound soundtrack. It is deliberate. Damn. That's cool. Yeah. Great. I know that um, they were like playing Layla from uh clapton or whatever it is uh man for goodfellas yeah during goodfellas like during the filming of certain sequences or something Mm. and probably a lot more of that i just i just love the combination of like music and rock especially kind of uh influencing um directors and writers and stuff yeah that's definitely here yeah 
the next cut scene is after uh, it's actually after the the Batcave scene where Bruce tells Alfred to you know take away certain things and it leaves the clue drive. Uh, so once he figures that out, we have the cut scene where he contacts Gordon, who's at the GCPD bullpen at this. So the, there's some other images from behind the scenes featurettes of sort of Gordon in the bullpen with the rest of the cops here. And this is from that cut scene. We even covered some of the concept art of that scene in our concept art episode for the Batman. So uh, we've kind of known something like this was coming. But essentially, Batman calls Gordon asking about like Mitchell's car, which kind of goes back to what you were what you brought up before on the show of just like, like they didn't check the car already. I, dude, it's a major suspect. It feels like it's just it's a no brainer. Yeah. Like you, you're going to check the car. You know, whatever. Like it's the fine. entire area. Yeah. Searches, but like the guy, the, the, I assume like the lead suspect, you're going to check. The, if you know that he has a car, you're going to check where the fucking car is, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, that, you, that is one thing. That's one thing that kind of stood out to me in this movie, but it didn't ruin it or anything, but it was yeah. just like, I don't know, a little off. So uh, in the scene, they basically are looking at the cipher and they think the feds will take a week to crack. But of course, it's taken Bruce that morning uh, along with <laughs> Alfred. But <laughs> Bruce calls Gordon asking about Mitchell's car. And when Gordon sees the other cops are wondering who Gordon's talking to, he lies to them saying, quote, it's my daughter, Barbara. So oh, nice. a little bit of an Easter egg, a hint at the future Batgirl and Oracle. And uh like I've said before in the Patreon, if Warner Brothers wants to repair some good publicity after the Batgirl cancellation, Leslie Grace is age appropriate to pass off as Jeffrey Wright's daughter. It would be a completely different type of Batgirl, but we'll have oh, to see. Dude, her final suit also. I mean, her first suit too was cool, but all these leaked, mm -hmm. the leaked images of her, yeah. her final suit too was like perfect. These, uh, it was, you know, it, yeah. it sucks. That part sucks of this whole you know, rebranding and everything, but everything else I like, but Batgirl going, I don't like, I think she I could wish, I wish she stayed right. Yeah. She could easily, uh, you know, be Barbara in this version though. Of course, she, I don't, we obviously aren't going to see the Batgirl movie to know what the tone and the world was like, but it would have to be obviously a different take, uh, on this things to adapt to it. But they're talking uh, about I don't a, know. They, people talking about a leak. What are you talking about? Like half a film put together? Like that movie was barely edited. I assume there's no film to leak. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going off on a tangent here. If there quick. is, it's a very, very rough cut. It's got to be extremely rough. Temp tracks, dissolves that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a film yet, more than likely. And it sadly probably will never be. But mm -hmm. anyway, her suit was awesome. Both of yeah. her suits. Yeah. I agree. It looked, I mean, it basically looks like the comics. Yes. Perfect. It was purple. Perfect. Yeah. It's, it's all there. Yeah. An improvement over what we got in Batman and Robin. <laughs> She was the best part of that one, though. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> all right. Another deleted moment happens at the Iceberg Lounge when Batman arrives to question Penguin. There's a beat not in the movie where Penguin tries to feel up Selena's thigh and she threatens to break his fingers. I was like, oh, OK, that's new. Uh, in the final film, there's not really much interaction between Penguin and Selena at all. But there's more here in the script with little moments like this. Um, okay. So that was that was interesting. That was a surprise when I got to that. And uh, another thing to note is that even though Matt Reeves and company are on record that Selena is not Catwoman yet in this movie, she's called Catwoman in the script. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Well, well, OK, yeah. OK. I'm not sure. Also, just a note on that, like 
they've been saying that, but I'm not sure what else Selena needs to do in order to become Catwoman. Like Penguin she just needs a full-on suit, really. That's all there is at this point. She just needs a more cat-like mask, which she could have had in this movie. It's it's like in the comics, she gets inspired by Batman's getup to become, you know, to take on the cat motif. But Batman's been around for over a year at this point, so it's not like it would have been that out of the question to get a cow in this one. So I'm curious, like what if there's some other part of the the development that we're due to see to lead into that penguin i can kind of understand a little bit because he doesn't have some of the same like he's on the rise right he's not a big time mobster yet he doesn't have the monocle or the umbrella we don't even know if that's going to happen but uh, (laughs) it's a little bit more on the rise catwoman i'm like she's pretty much catwoman in this she's catwoman in the script we'll see in in this script where do you think like as is where do you think they could have debuted a catwoman suit i mean i think she could have just been catwoman I, I know. She, uh, she yeah, shows yeah, up. Yeah. Do you mean? Okay. So you mean? Yeah. Just she's already in the suit. Yeah. So short of that, you mean though? Like short of. Yeah. Like yeah. If it's not that, that, then when does she evolve into it? Because the ending is so, um, like it gets heavy, right? It gets pretty heavy with her story. So if she's like, if shit's getting heavy with her, and she's like, "Hey, I'm a cat now," you know, it's like a little bit, <laughs> a little bit off. Maybe after that heaviness, maybe at the very uh, end when she's know. about to leave Bloodha- for Bloodhaven. Like that's I, the only way I can think of where like the movie has kind of led to her evolution to become Catwoman at the end, and she's let go of wanting revenge on Falcone, and then at the end she she's wearing a cat mask. Like I just, it's it's tough to fit it in. Like I'm, but I'm also that's also why I'm saying she should just be Catwoman from the beginning. Just have yeah, her with the towel when she shows up at the mayor's place, because otherwise, like what was she's just. She goes through this whole story that has nothing to do with a cat motif just so that she can get a cat cow at the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Just have it from the from the get go. We're we're two we're coming in two years in anyway. Who cares? Yeah. Like if this was year one and like this is this is his like second night out, it's kind of understandable that she wouldn't think of a cat motif yet. But she's been around for a little over a year at this point. So it, it stands to reason. So we could have we could have had it. That's also why I'm curious, like, well, what more is there? For her to become right. more of a cat. I know what people get so lost in the weeds of like the origin story sometimes, and it's just yeah. like we don't we don't really need all that every time. It's like she the, needs a mask, <laughs> she needs a proper cat cowl, and she needs that chain to be a whip. That's pretty much where we're at. That's all we need. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's we don't need right. that much more. Uh, but we're all leading up towards the major deleted scene. That if you're a fan of this movie and listening to this podcast, as Andrew mentioned, you probably have already seen it on YouTube or on HBO Max. Because the cool thing is HBO Max makes it available as sort of a like featurette thing. Oh, uh, nice. You click on the bat. So if you don't know, shortly after the murder of Commissioner <laughs> Savage, uh, Batman visits Arkham Asylum and asks the Joker for his thoughts on Riddler. So Joker would have shown up earlier in the movie. Um, and this is very much a scene in the spirit of the Thomas Harris novel, Red Dragon, the movie Manhunter, both of which were uh, the introduction of Hannibal Lecter. Um, So for those who don't know that much about Hannibal, in that story of Red Dragon slash Manhunter, Will Graham is an FBI agent who caught Hannibal years ago and is hunting a new serial killer. And he decides to, uh, you know, in order to get into this guy's head and get the scent again, as it said in the story, he decides to visit the last killer he caught, Hannibal Lecter. 
And that sort of establishes the whole Hannibal Lecter trope of, you know, in order to catch a new killer, you have to, you know, you have to think like one and and talk to the other one. And I'm sure some of that was also inspired by the all the John Douglas Mindhunter stuff, too, in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that scene, Hannibal ends up turning the tables on Will and brings up how much he and Will are like playing around with the whole idea of Will kind of being close to becoming a serial killer himself in terms of his own mental issues. So uh, that's kind of the scene in that story. This deleted scene is very similar. Batman, searching for insight into how the Riddler thinks, goes to the previous killer he caught, the Joker, or as Reeves says, also the man who will call himself the Joker at one point. Again, I don't know what else he needs to be the Joker. He's got green hair and the white face and the the red lips. But uh, at this point, we'll just call him the Joker. Uh, And Joker turns the tables and indicates how similar Batman and the Riddler are. Uh, bringing up that Batman secretly thinks that all these people who have been killed so far, the mayor and the commissioner and the future corrupt officials, that they all deserve to die. So right. uh, this is an interesting scene. I feel like the response to this was kind of lukewarm when the, w- it was released. Am I am I wrong in feeling that way in terms of just the overall fan? Not, not my personal feelings, just like the overall fan response to this. I think you're not wrong. And I think it's like, we don't get a lot. He doesn't do much evil shit. We see him laugh mm-hmm. in a room. You know, it's like his honestly, this is subjective, I guess, but like his look isn't great. I mean, I just yeah. I'm personally not a fan of this look for Joker. Not, it's my least favorite. It's my least yeah. favorite design, dude. And I haven't found anyone that really loves this design. I'm sure we'll get some <laughs> com- comments about it, but like that's fine. I probably agree with us. We can agree to disagree if you, if you love this design, but personally mm-hmm. I don't love it. And I think I'd like to think a lot of people didn't, it seems like a lot of people didn't and they just didn't respond to it. And uh, yeah, I mean, he just doesn't do much either. He's not in the, he's not in the Joker suit and we he's just the Hannibal Lecter of the scene. We just, we just, well, we haven't just had Joker it was in 2008, but but still, doesn't I don't know. Maybe people my age, at least, it doesn't feel too long ago. At the well, same time, well, I mean, you had what it was like Suicide Squad twenty sixteen, Joaquin twenty nineteen, Snyder yeah, Cut twenty twenty one. So we had like four Jokers in between Ledger, right? Yeah, like you said. Yeah, and also then, counting and then, Cameron Monaghan on on Gotham. So yeah, like so we had like, a ton. so yeah, that's a. I guess that's part of my point is that it's not special, mm-hmm. and that's why I think. They should not do Joker for the Batman two. They should save the Joker. Yeah. Uh, hopefully not, because save him for the third one. Because usually, as we saw with Dark Knight Rises, like a lot of the times, the third movie fails. Like in, in a trilogy, Godfather three, Terminator three. There's a lot of examples of this, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you save, you know, the big guy for the third one, I think you kind of curtail. You kind of. Uh, you know, make that a little, you could, you have a better chance of that third one being more Cracker Jack. You know you what know, I mean? It, it could be interesting if they do continue this Hannibal thing, you know, because Hannibal yeah. Lecter, the not counting the fucking prequel Hannibal Rising, because everyone hates that, but like the, his main appearances are <laughs> Red Dragon, where he has a very small role, kind of like what we got of this. And then Silence of the Lambs is like he's got a bigger role. That's like that's what really put Hannibal on the map with Anthony Hopkins and shit. And then at the end of Silence of the Lambs, spoilers for an over 30 year old movie, but he escapes. 
And then yeah. it's Hannibal where he is the main villain. Like that's the structure right. of, of the Hannibal leading up to it. There wasn't really much else to go from there after that Hannibal book. Uh, so Harris went back and did the prequel, but you, you can see where I'm going with that. Like that could be the structure that you're talking about where he has a little bit more of a Hannibal Lecter type role in the second one or in this, you know, this upcoming Arkham show on HBO max. And then he escapes at the end of the second one. And then the third one is him with Riddler and whoever else is introduced and all that type of stuff. I think so. I think, I think it's a way to make that to kind of uh, take away the curse of the third movie in a trilogy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, despite now, however he looks or whatever, being a Batman versus Joker thing, like that's the most classic lineup. Right. And just making the third one's the best. The second one's just like dark Knight. It's just like, I just don't think it's a good move. It's copying too much. I know the second one in the trilogy is like empire is supposed to be the darkest or whatever. And maybe you want your Joker film to be the darkest, but uh, this trilogy is already dark as fuck. So uh, I think it's probably just going to be the same level of darkness maybe throughout. Uh, I, I mean, how much darker can they get? Yeah, Especially in PT-13. Yeah, they, they shouldn't. Like, I, Also, I don't think they'll do it for the second one because if they're writing it now, likely they're going to start pre-production sometime later this year, in 2023, aim for a 2025 release date. But what happens in yeah. 2024? Joker 2 with Joaquin. You're really going to just follow right. Joaquin immediately with another Joker thing? I don't think that's likely. Not good timing. So, the, yeah, we're, we're listing like a billion reasons why not to do Joker in the second one. Yeah, yeah. And I think the overall response to not just the deleted scene, but the scene in the movie was just like Joker again. And like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But also, like, if you're I've brought this up every single time, like if you're Matt Reeves and you finally got the keys to the Batman kingdom, are you really going to skip the Joker? You're just not going to have the Joker at all. You're never going to oh. do that character. <laughs> I, I mean, A, it would be ballsy if they never did. If we had a Batman trilogy with no Joker, I would I'd kind of uh, respect that. But mm -hmm. um, I do I do understand that you kind of need him at the same time. Eventually, mm -hmm. I'm just saying save him for the third one. Yeah. Save him yeah. for the third one. That's it. Uh, I think there's also speculation that maybe they deleted it so that they can have the opportunity to redo the design on this one, which I'm like, that might be riskful thinking considering that they did release it and you do kind of get a glimpse that he still looks fucked up in the final the movie. Yeah. He looks the same in the movie, but like, I think like when we first saw it, right. With that scene at the end where he's talking to Riddler, like you could only see a little bit, you knew he was kind of fucked up, but you couldn't really see that much. Right. So uh, it was there. And then now that we've seen a little bit of a closer look, uh, with a lot more stuff going on, it kind of fills in the blanks once we get to that scene again when we re we rewatch the end there. So it's I think it's because we've seen this deleted scene that fills it in. But you know, let's say if they go for a cleaner look on Barry Keown for you know when Joker shows up again in Arkham or the other stuff, I mean it's mainly going to be us <laughs> who notice. It's really going to yeah. be the hard hardcore fans, but the general public who might vaguely remember that there was a Joker tease at the end of the Batman. Uh, aren't going to be like, oh, that's inconsistent with the continuity. They're just going to be say that that's cool. No. Okay. So I thought about this too. Mm -hmm. You have a guy that has his whole deal being with acid on the face and chemicals on the face and shit like that. So I don't know if they have to explain it or not, but if they really feel like they have to, 
something to do with the acid on the face or whatever. He redips himself again and acts as chemicals or something. And, and then he has like a real clean look. I, I don't know, but I'm just, yeah. I was just trying to think of a way they could do it just to just, man, no one, I just don't, I feel like no one liked that makeup, dude. Yeah. They went too far. Like I, I'm, I've never been a fan of disfigured Joker. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't like it with Ledger, really. I didn't like it when they did it to Cameron Monaghan on Gotham. I didn't like it in the comics when Gotham just carved his face. Joker just carved his face off. That was so like, edgelord shit. I'm I'm pretty consistent with this. I'm like, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. I get that they're trying to do the whole like, well, if he was burned by chemicals, then this is what chemical burns would look like. I'm like, OK, man, I get that. But like he's got patches of hair <laughs> like this dude is balding <laughs> on this. Yeah, thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's repulsive to look at. And even though like, yeah, this is a little bit more of an adult Batman oriented thing. There's still going to be kids in the audience. You know, I just felt like, man, again, we're jackasses on the internet. Mm -hmm. What are our opinions matter to Matt Reeves and everybody involved? But it's just, I feel like it was his worst decision out of the whole movie. Was including Joker at the end. No, not his inclusion was his design. Joker's makeup is Reeves' yeah. single worst decision by Reeves for this particular film. Yeah, so it is hard to hold it against him when the scene is not in the movie. You know, like we That's, only get well, that, that is true. Wait, so there's no? I forgot. I, I'm forgetting. So there's no Joker at all. They do show. Yeah, there him, is right? Joker. They, they do show him, but like it's it, it's such a like small glimpse. You could barely make it out. Like it, oh, you don't it, even it see the like makeup. You see the smile a little bit, but it's like it's very. It's hard to tell. Oh, you yeah. Know, like, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it, it could be redone. He kind of saves himself, I, I guess. So, uh, mm. I, in my eyes, at least. So, yeah, I think um, maybe he even had like, uh, what, what do you call it? Cold feet or whatever about it as well. And, you know, or maybe that probably ultimately that, that scene just didn't fit in the beginning of the movie. But, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I guess, yeah, he has the, he has the wiggle room now to, uh, to uh, fix that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically, but, but the, what we did see in the release scene mm -hmm. that was deleted, it was, it was just not good. Not yeah. good. No, no, no. I'll, I'll take the tattooed version over this one. Just in God, terms of design, dude, what's not, worse? Necessarily, not necessarily the performance, just purely talking about design. Cause at least with, at least yeah. with Leto and suicide squad, even if you take out the damage shit and the and the the grill, it's still like a clean look. It's still yeah. like the slicked back green hair, the like gaunt face, the white like it's it's all it's still somewhat the Joker in there. Yeah, there's some yeah. bullshit mixed in, but there's still somewhat the Joker. But this is uh, like when you look at it, you can you can tell, but it's it's such a again it's it's edge 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 lord shit is what it feels like it's on this just... take, and it's just not my thing just quite disfigured i i mean sh like the joker is like i don't know i don't know how how many how much parallels you should have to satan and lucifer but like lucifer is supposed to be real beautiful right like not that joker is supposed to be vain but i don't know it's just something about yeah i think the clean look would work better one of the best things about uh phoenix and the role was the fact that it was just makeup it, it was right. just literal clown face paint and the rest was just all the performance, you know, and that was a I, good one. 
that's that's what I want for the next joke. Because like I don't think we're gonna ever see Joaquin fight a Batman in those movies. No, so we're like not. we're not. We we need to see some version of that. And but yeah, the the list of guys who have mainly just been face paint and stuff is basically Cesar Romero. Walking Phoenix and then like 80% Nicholson, if you don't count the prosthetic on his cheek, you know, right. Uh, everyone else has had some sort of like prosthetic type stuff on their, on their face for disfigurement. And uh, it's just, I'm tired of it. Like it just, just have like the, some of the <laughs> Joker cosplayers that you see on, or out there, you're just like, dude, like, why doesn't he look like that in the movies? You know, <laughs> that, that, that is true. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I know. I don't know why they're they're they think it'll look too comic booky, maybe. But like we've said before, you can have them have that look, but this exact tone just mix yeah. those two together. Yeah, you know, you can have a blue have and black, blue and black, yellow Batman suit, but still this tone. Yeah, still this exact fucking the same Zodiac tone. killer tone. You can still do like I, I think some people have brought up how like or defended some of the things that we've might have bashed in the past design wise of, of being like, well, Batman would like he would prioritize things that would be, you know, useful, would be utilitarian and stuff. I'm like, why can't it be useful and look good at the same time? Like, why can't why is it that it shouldn't look like the comics just because it's it doesn't look useful? I'm like, it's of course it's useful. Otherwise, he wouldn't be using it. Just make I it look more like the comic. You can get. <laughs> you can get really bogged down in trying to uh, always figure out what would work in the real world, because ultimately this is fantasy. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of where you draw the line of where fantasy and reality are, are split. Mm -hmm. And that's where the subjective part comes in and where, you know, the director has the director ultimately and the writer makes that draws that line. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a guy in a bat suit with his fucking shin hanging out, you know, like, it's it's fucking not you know it's not real it's nothing nothing real about it you know so like why stop there why not also make the suit cooler looking <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean it's it's a fucking joker guy sometimes it does feel like because comics are so popular that uh some of these some some like real bad guys in real life will mimic this stuff sometimes which is that's that's life mimicking art but that's going to become like the snake eating itself, I guess, at a certain point. But anyway, that's another fucking mm -hmm. topic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about like things being practical or not. I mean, also, like in the case of the Batman suit, like d blue, dark blue is like actually blends in with night more also. Right. Don't they say so? Like even even with that, it's like it still sort of could make sense. You know what a great example was that uh, I was told recently. Look at the ocean at night on the beach. Oh yeah. Does that look like really bright blue to you? <laughs> yeah, you exactly. <laughs> like exactly. Like, ah, that's a good point. I mean, they you, say you can make arguments on how blue the water is depending on where you live, but still. Right. It's <laughs> a good point. Dark dark black is a silhouette. You could just kind of see that easily even at night. So, uh you know, it's interesting how like that some of this these really comic book ideas could still work if you want to think about it in real very realistic terms you know well i think also because the writers behind these comics these days have grown up with this stuff and have already asked these questions like you don't need to become a film director to think about like okay why is this <laughs> why is this happening like you can still write the comic and be like well you know add in a fucking dialogue bubble about like blue is 
you know, he dons blue because of this reason or dialogue bubble about why there's a yellow oval on the chest, which is what Frank Miller did in explaining it's a target, you know, like it's, it, he did that back in 1986. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Yeah. If you give them, I love that. I mean, if you give the enemy a target, you always know where they're going to hit. Right. So that's, that's awesome. And it's practical and it looks good and comic accurate. Yeah. It's not that, it's not that tough. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I would like to think, I hope that there's one or people listening to this. And again, ultimate point, like Ben and I are saying, get more comic booky looking suits. You can have your cake and eat it too. More comic book and booky looking suits, but still dark ass tone like this movie. Don't change a thing about the tone, Matt Reeves. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, with that, we have, as we've discussed, the Joker scene. And after that, let us know in the comments what you thought about this scene when you saw it. And we'll resume talk about the script after the break. Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about Japanese to English translation in this first season. It will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general. Japanese cultural differences as well and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly aka EGM so stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast it's already out now y'all I want to tell you about the Patreon.com Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod and on that you get the $1 tier uh, you can join the $1 tier, which gets you the shout-out on the board, and either visually or orally, or both at times. Uh, <laughs> we want to do the oral uh, for the most part uh, for newer people. Uh, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole new show. Uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And... Um, <laughs> The uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can, if you want, binge us for five mm-hmm. bucks. And uh, it's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can, uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well. So mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above. Plus, a uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly. And it's like a Zoom-like call. And we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that. And that's at the $10 tier. Um, every tier that you get, like the $5 tier, gets you the $1 tier benefits and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So mm-hmm. check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble.com and on Threadless, superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower curtains and all the rest artwork by Stephen Santa Cruz. And please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. 
You too can be part of the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf Lives is my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also ThunderwolfDrew.com. has my whole portfolio in one place except for AmanoRecon.com. That's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. And that is uh, an original idea that some friends and I are doing where it is R-rated um, Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch, and it is not a fan film, original idea. We have a pitch video right now on YouTube and on the Indiegogo page. We're campaigning right now as of this, uh, when this episode premieres. And this poster art is by Zachary Jackson Brown Art.com. And check it out. Please support us on the campaign. And more from that soon. Um, but yes, it's uh, it's bloody. And um, if you like that kind of thing, check us out. And that's it, Ben. Follow us on social media on Twitter at Superhouse Pod, Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod, where we have some different supplemental stuff. We even I've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the Keaton ornament from the Flash is in, so you can check that out on our Instagram Superhero Stuff Pod. Uh, TikTok Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is benwanwriter.com where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts, including Gotham, Vampire, Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland. If you're fans of any of those shows, check them out and let us know what you think. My YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the eighth Doctor, meaning Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is BenWanRider. If you like cats, my son, Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. And you can even check out another page on that website, SuperheroStuffPod.com slash show notes. That includes uh, various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superhero stuffpod.com slash show notes lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines talking about dogs y'all as you might have heard Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches! Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash SuperheroStuffPod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. We're back. The Batman Return, and we're going to cover the rest of the script and all the new stuff that's in it. So uh, they released the Joker deleted scene, as we talked about, but they also released another deleted scene that I don't know that you and I have talked about yet on the show. Okay. Um, this is with Selena and the Penguin. So uh, as I said, the script has a lot more of the two of them together, not like a whole subplot and stuff, but just more between the two of them. But this was released. It takes place when Batman sends Selina into the Iceberg Lounge with the contacts on. Uh, and there's this additional scene where she goes to Oz to ask him if she can work at basically, the you know, 44 Below. 
Penguin shows concern towards her in getting hurt there because he knows that some of the worst people are down there. And he tells her, you know, he wants to look out for her. Even talks about how he, uh, how she knows how he feels about her. So we kind of got uh, Penguin following in the footsteps of Dele- of uh, DeVito in wanting to be with Selena, though that was a little bit more of him just being a perv in, in returns. But um, he also indicates that he has plans to rise up in Gotham and that uh, one day the city is going to be his. So hell yeah. Some foreshadowing of the Penguin uh, HBO Max show as well as the end. But also, I think somebody brought this up. It shows the Batman Penguin's ambitions and could explain why Batman suspects Penguin first as being Rata Alada. So, okay, uh, that could be an additional thing. But it's just it's mainly just another Penguin scene as showcase for him. Doesn't really tell us that much more than what we would already have assumed, which is that he has ambitions uh, in this. So it's. It's not completely again. This is not one of those things where I'm like, man, they shouldn't have cut it. I'm like, uh, it's a nice character moment, but that's about it. Right. Um, some okay. of the things I noticed that are not in the script. So some things that I'll note uh, are not in the script, but are in the movie. But uh, there's the part in the movie where Batman sees through Selena's eyes, the corrupt cop, William Kenzie, and he brings up, oh, I must have broke his nose. That is not in the script. And I suspect that is ADR put in later oh on to, probably uh, yeah it's, it's voiceover anyway in, in yeah, the movie. yeah yeah so that's an easy thing to adr without really screwing anything up oh definitely yeah that's yeah. that's yeah they, they found that in adr yeah it, it's probably because they might have done a test run and test like screening and some exec was just like wait, wait wait where does that guy come from and why you should highlight him more and they're like okay fine we'll just have you know bruce say something earlier and then they did the adr line for that so that's that's some interesting. Uh, that's an interesting thing that I picked up when reading it. That this whole part where he talks to her uh, is cut before she goes into the elevator and, and talks to him. So uh, that was cool. Another thing as well that uh, is kind of hinted at in the movie, but is very clear in the script, is that the Batmobile is under construction in the background in the Batcave. You can kind right. of tell based off of where it is, but uh, it's it's sort of flat out said in the script. So I, I really like that aspect of it. Uh, you can also see the tarp around it. Like it's definitely kind of in progress, but because there's not like just like shot of only the Batmobile in it, it's sort of, it can be easy to miss if you're watching it. Uh, it's cool though. Great shot. Yeah, Love yeah. that. Uh, there is a small cut line from Alfred too, after giving Bruce the Wayne cufflinks, because uh, it ends in the movie where he's just like, your father gave them to me. And then it just cuts to Bruce driving to the funeral. Uh, in the scene, Alfred adds a little bit more levity to it by uh, telling him, I'm just loaning it to you. You got to give it, you got to give this back to me afterwards. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of a nice, uh, again, moment of levity, especially with in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, like it's not super needed in that, you know, like I'm like, okay, yeah. it's not the, it's not like the big button they needed. For the end of the scene, uh, the, the button <laughs> for the, for those wondering what I mean by that, I'm not making a I'm not really making a pun off of the the cufflink thing, but more of like button is sometimes what they say about like the like a great end to a scene, you know. So if yeah. somebody has like a great line and it cuts the next scene, like that's the button to that scene. So that's what I mean by that. It buttons it up. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the script also has a deleted scene I suspected when we did the concept art episode where we showed this shot of Bruce looking in the backseat of his car and there's the cowl. 
Um, and I brought up how <laughs> I would not envy Bruce of having to change out of his uh, funeral suit into a bat suit in that cramped of a car. It's a great looking car. I just wouldn't want to change into a bat suit in that thing. Um, turns out I was wrong. So what actually happens in the script is that he goes to the car to retrieve the duffel bag. And then he goes off as everyone's running to go to a different place to change. I don't know where some random alley where he's going to strip, strip town and be naked and go sure. into the bat suit. But uh, he doesn't change in the car, which I don't know. It seems like it would make more sense for him to change in the car. But if it's that car, I can kind of see why he doesn't. But, yeah. Yeah. That's also where this picture comes from of Pattinson walking around with a duffel bag, which is also in the uh, in the poster. The poster that has all the different characters on it in the foreground is, is Pattinson carrying the, the duffel bag, but that's not in the movie. Okay. So uh, that's one other instance of a very small moment where I'm like, eh, did we really need it anyway? It's only jarring or we only miss it if you're <laughs> just a hardcore fan like us or just like, wait, there's this one promo picture in this poster that has it with the bag. Why doesn't he have it in the movie? Like no one else right. noticed. No one right, else gives right. a shit. Um, okay, so here's a big piece of trivia that I wanted to share that uh, when I was reading this, I was struck by an irony. So one of the moments that is in here that people have talked about is the glider scene where Batman eats shit when it gets to the bridge. Uh, and uh, it's you know meant to show that this Batman is still learning. It's very much inspired by Batman Earth 1, where his grappling gun, grappling gun doesn't work. Uh, but weirdly, the script does not say that Batman crashes at all. It says, oh, wow. Yeah, it says descending rapidly dangerously to the street below where Batman hits into a hard shoulder roll, spinning wildly to his feet and disappearing into the night, which kind of sounds like Batman Returns where Keaton landed with a glider, then kind of rolled and then stood back up and then went to the Batmobile as if it was nothing. This so, is such a big sequence, though, that in, that revolve that involves uh, VFX and stunts and everything. So I don't this is not a day of script rewrite. No. No. So this is just the whatever script is in mm. this book is just not probably the not most not the most updated one. Mm. Yeah. So it is it's something they must have come up with before. I mean, obviously before shooting, but at some point there was a decision to have it so that he crashes. And this is interesting because to make this even more weird, 30 years earlier, the shooting script for Batman Returns has Batman crash while using the glider, as shown in the comic book adaptation. But in the movie, okay. it was a smooth landing with the rolling that is kind of like what's described in the Batman script. So we got this weird reversal where 30 years ago, Batman Returns writes that Batman crashes his glider, but the movie ends with him having a smooth landing. And then the Batman writes that he has a smooth landing, and then they decide, fulfilling a scene 30 years in the making, that he's going to crash the glider. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's added stunts, it's added yeah. everything. So, mm -hmm. like, I could see them cutting something like that for Batman Returns if they really don't mm -hmm. have the budget, if they want to put their budget somewhere else. But yeah. with this one, they really wanted to focus on his, you know, being green. So, uh, yeah, I can, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting, honestly. Between the two, I think it would have worked better in Returns because he's already like emotionally, he's been framed. <clears throat> he's been shot by the cops. Catwoman right. has stabbed him with a talon. Oh uh, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. And he goes just immediately into this glider, <clears throat> and he just crashes through trying to get away. Whereas in the Batman, like yeah, he got blown up in the thing and protected himself, but he's had some time to recover <laughs> because right. right afterwards he 
tries to fight cops, punches Gordon, runs all the way around, grapples up to the top. So <clears throat> if anyone's in a condition to crash, it's probably more Keaton in returns than Pattinson in this moment in the Batman. And as we've talked about before in the concept art episode, like it seems like they're trying to plant like, hey, he's going to learn from this, but they never really pay off what he learns from it. You know, like if he had yeah. the like, traditional glider at the end that we pitched, like that yeah. would have shown, oh, he's progressing, but they don't really have that. We got to wait, you know, till 2025 to see if he improves it. <laughs> it feels like forever, dude. I know. <sighs> Some of the stuff you got to pay off in the movie. You got to pay yeah, off in yeah. the movie. Otherwise, I'm like, what is... Because I, I like the scene just because it's different, but then I'm like, well, was there much of a point in him crashing? Thematically? His Not thematically, but it's just, just showing yeah. that he's two years in and he probably hasn't practiced this particular thing too much, you know? Like, this is not something... He probably trained jujitsu and shit a, a lot more mm -hmm. than this, you know, squirrel suit. Yeah, I, I get that. It's just, I think... I mean, I do appreciate the aspect that this is a Batman who is a lot more rough around the edges than what we've seen before, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Bale takes out Falcone in one night in Batman Begins through a lot of like plot stuff. You know, Falcone just happens to be at the docks, but like it's, a lot of that's just because Falcone is not the main character. He's not the main villain of that movie. You need to get that villain out of the way. Yeah, so yeah. I get that. Whereas like in the comics and in Pattinson's version, like it takes two years to take down Falcone in uh, in yeah. this universe and in the comics. Like it's it's not like a simple like, yeah, let me take down the biggest mob boss in one night. He's a lot less refined in that right. so i think audiences who criticize pattinson i i kind of get i'm starting to understand why when the previous thing is begins where he is in week or day one of being batman and he can already use the glider fine whereas like year two batman in this universe he might not have used it ever beforehand and he's going through more growing pains than what we saw in a week one batman in begins but again that's a completely different interpretation you yeah, know, yeah. like in that in that specific yeah. version from Bale, like he's supposed to be he practically just already is the goddamn Batman once he puts on the suit and begins. Yeah, Whereas right, right. Here, there's more of an evolution of that version of Batman. And I think there's there's upsides and downsides to it. But that's one of the things I actually like about the, this movie is that he's not completely refined yet. He's supposed to be learning from that. I just wish that there was a little bit more of the learning curve from the skills perspective show. We've already seen it from like the the thematic like hope perspective in the movie or him gaining more heroism and compassion. But um, it, it, you know, we have these scenes with him crashing and stuff where it doesn't really pay off much. It's kind of there. It's kind of there to just show that he's, he's less refined, but I just kind of wish it played a little bit more of a role to the overall thing. Right. Um, <clears throat> outside of that, we have the, uh, again, it's interesting to see what's not in the script. So in the car chase with penguin, there's a whole bunch of lines from Colin Farrell as Penguin that are not in the script. In fact, Penguin's only line in this whole sequence uh, is Jesus Christmas <laughs> during the chase. So, oh my God, Reeves is just like, yeah, we'll have him, you know, you know, uh, improv some lines on the day. That's really that might have been what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even I like the part where especially because it shows how formidable penguin can be when he's got the machine gun and he's like, Hey, vengeance. And he's like shooting at him and stuff. Yeah. Like that's not in the script. That's not in the script. Okay. I don't know if that's just Colin Farrell just going ham on set, but that's not in the script. Um, oh dude, Colin Farrell's 
fucking improv the shit it. out of it. Yeah. 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 Like, and of course the, I got you like that part's in there where like he sees the explosion and he thinks he's taking him out like that. That line's in there, but penguin doesn't really have a line in the script in this entire sequence until Jesus Christmas <laughs> during the chase. And then the, the explosion, <laughs> Um, oh, the, and he didn't even say that, right? That line yeah, he doesn't even say it in the movie. <laughs> he says yeah, much yeah. better dialogue in the movie. Uh, the the this guy's crazy line in the trailer that's not in the script. So again, it's interesting to take a look and see the differences here. Um, that's, that's awesome, Colin Farrell, man. What a what a stellar job. Yeah, yeah, and he's he got the uh, the award as well for Banshees recently uh, and stuff, which I got to check out again. Another, I do have to see that another thing with him and Barry Keown together. <laughs> that is right. That is right. It's hilarious. Cause I don't know if you saw the, I think it was the golden globe speech where he takes the time to call out Barry Keown for eating his crunchy nut cereal and having him not basically starving him from not being able to eat breakfast the next morning and stuff. I'm like, okay, this is penguin. This is the penguin Joker feud. <laughs> <in this moment. laughs> That's awesome. So that was funny. Um, also putting that out there, the script confirms the Batmobile does not crash into anything that causes the explosion. It's trying to avoid the explosion that's already being caused. So uh, that is in the script as well. Um, another deleted moment. We saw a hint of this in the DC Fandom featurette, which I'm showing here, where a shirtless Bruce knocks over a cabinet of files because he's so pissed off. What is actually happening here? So as you can tell, <laughs> this is probably from the sequence where he's shirtless and he's going through all the different clues about the renewal fund. And uh, this was supposed to pay off in a scene where he just gets so pissed off about finding nothing that he destroys the file cabinet. But in the process, he finds the Wayne cufflink that Alfred gave him. And it's a reminder oh, nice. about Alfred being hurt and in the hospital. And the action lines say, quote, if Bruce would ever allow himself to cry, it would be now. Mm. So it does have an emotional button to that. But I think it already kind of fulfills that aspect in the previous scenes. You know, Alfred's yeah. already hurt. There's the like, I, I think a much better way to, to sum that up was when the doctor is just like, does he have any other family? And there's just that close up on Pattinson being like, no, just me. You know, where he just mm -hmm. realizes that he's all you know, they're the only family they have together and they've kind of been at odds a little bit through the movie. Yeah. Which again, is something that I wish they explored a little bit more in it. Cause it's, I've shown this movie, I've introduced this movie to a couple of people and each time it's been like, so why is he kind of addicted to Alfred? And I'm like, I, I, I can point to certain comics that they're trying to drive derive from, but I can't point to anything in the movie outside of like, Alfred is kind of, you know, skeptical that this whole Batman thing's going to work. I think I, I would just assume it's just being a spoiled rich kid kind of thing. That's how I kind of saw it. Yeah. I mean, I think in the earth one comics and the, in the zero year comic, it is because of the fact that Alfred is more active in trying to get in Bruce's way. Uh, right. As yeah, Batman. yeah. Uh, and it's very apparent and, and uh, Bruce even threatens to fire Alfred due to that in zero year. So like, it's, it's very clear in that but they don't really have a moment like that like they have a flat-out fight in earth one you know uh and that's not in the movie and i'm not saying it should have been in the movie but if it was that would have definitely shown a little bit more of like what's going on as well as like more clearly established this new version of alfred and this this version of alfred taught him how to fight and stuff because he kind of just has that one line about it but he doesn't actually like he never fights during the movie no so uh, yeah he's got a lump too right 
Yeah, he's got the limp too, which is from uh, the Earth One comics. It feels too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so moving further, a lot of people suspect uh, that Hush is the next villain <laughs> due to the reveal that Thomas Wayne played a role and had this whole Hush money thing, and they literally had the words Hush uh, in the you know, <laughs> during the whole Riddler thing and yeah, showcase. You know, yeah, we picked up on that. Uh, honestly. I know you and I aren't super enthused about the idea, especially because it feels like repeated beats. But also, I would say that uh, Reeves was asked at one point who he would pick for another villain, and he did say Hush. But I think he's playing some 40 chess there because, like, why would you reveal <laughs> your cards like that? You know, I uh, know. I, so I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, it's a little bit too easy. I, you know what? If that's what's in your heart, Matt Reeves. I want you to make a hush movie. Mm -hmm. If that's really what you want to do, it's not what I would do, but you know, if that's, if that's his vision, I'm going to respect his vision. Yeah. You know, I just think it's, I'd rather have Mr. Freeze or Clayface or some shit. In the next one. I know it's, they're getting like a little bit more, um, you know, unrealistic, but I don't Fantastic. care. And also yeah. a fucking freeze gun, not that fucking unrealistic. Really? I you know? think Nolan's approach to the original trilogy, I think there was something to be said about the fact that each movie embodies a different type of movie. You know, the first yeah. one is like this epic origin story. Second one is like flat out crime drama. And then the third one, he doesn't try to repeat himself with Dark Knight. Like, you know, we have issues with Dark Knight Rises, but I got to hand it to Nolan. Like he had the right idea of like, no, I'm not going to repeat myself. I'm going to do a completely different type of movie where it's like it's a hostile takeover type of thing it's inspired by battle of algiers inspired by like all these revolutions over the years right it's, it's an epic scope of the entire city not like right. a heat type of scenario so uh, i'm leading to the fact that like if it's hush again we have what another masked mystery man in this who's threatening batman <laughs> like we we need another guy like this right afterwards like i i think they i think to continue detective thing there should be mysteries but it shouldn't be like yet another mask guy comes out of the woodwork to threaten Batman and the city again. And he has to investigate again. <laughs> you know, it should have some differences just still be a That's mystery, true. but not be the same type of thing. Cause I'm like, what we're going to do seven again as a Batman movie, just with hush instead of the Riddler. I mean, he's investigating uh, Mr. Freeze bro. And then all of a sudden he starts seeing owls <laughs> and like, what's going on with them? Yeah. And then the mystery, the plot thickens at that point. Uh, you know what I mean? So you still <laughs> yeah. you still have your mystery there. Yeah. Uh, but this is all to say that in the script, they do not actually say that the reporter's name was Edward Elliot. They do not drop the Elliot uh, Easter egg. Okay. They have the Hush Easter egg in the script where it says Hush on the, on the screen, but does not have Edward Elliot's name on that. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then there's an additional line from Riddler that's kind of a riddle, kind of a poem that uh, I'm actually going to have you read, Andrew, uh, in your okay. Riddler voice. Uh, okay. But it's kind of a clue in here. So take okay. it away. One by one, Gotham's pillars fall. On Judgment Day, the wreckage will consume us all. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Edward <It> is... Nashton. <laughs> so this is kind of a clue to the flood. Right. Like it's right. built in. Whereas I think in the movie, there's not really any clues unless he does the fucking carpet thing and, and uncovers the the plans. 
Uh, so it looks like a prior clue was put in here, but was taken out for whatever reason. It still would have been so awesome if the like the uh, the Riddler's uh, henchmen were starting to escalate out of uh, Riddler's uh, control. Mm-hmm. And the whole bombing was also kind of like, like the flooding of Gotham was like kind of not his idea. Really? You know, mm-hmm. I always thought that, yeah, would, like that. that would have been better. Like his, his followers kind of took it to a whole other level. Uh, it just spiraled out of control. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess they took this out because it made it seem like it was too foreshadowing of what's going to happen. I don't know. Yeah. Also, the third so. act was probably rewritten the most. It's feel it really feels like it, it feels that way. There's not a lot of indi- indications, like not to give too much away on on this episode, but I don't have a lot on the third act to share. That's that's okay. different on this one. So I think whatever changes they made, it was before this draft. Right. Yeah. There's probably a lot of a lot of like the last few changes before shooting scripts and maybe even during shooting a little bit was dude, uh, yeah like i wouldn't really be surprised. feels like producer interference man <laughs> we need a big fight scene i'm like well what about this mystery that batman's supposed to solve like it's it should be no sexy fighting clues. at the end <laughs> sexy fighting all right fine we'll just have him crash through and beat i'm up a from bunch wall of street demonstrators <laughs> yeah uh, all right. Another thing that's interesting. Penguin is in the scene with Falcone when Bruce walks in, calls him Johnny Slick, you know, and walks away and stuff. And he's not in the script. Salute. Penguin is not in the scene in the script. Salute uh, to the greatest Falcone ever. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, just look at him. John Turturro, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Farrell is... I, I, I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if the reason why Penguin's in this scene just in the beginning is if Colin Farrell's already on set that day in the makeup and they're just like, Hey, you want to just come on for this scene? You're not in the script, but you can just throw in a couple lines as penguin and do something. Sure. So uh, that's probably how that happened. Yeah. He seems Uh, like with all the improv and like how much he got into, like he made a character out of this. Like it, it just seems like he really enjoys this character. Oh yeah, no, dude. Like this, this you know? HBO Max show. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because, like, this is he's gonna love this if he's. It's because he knows he knows this is the big showcase for stuff because his his looks are all completely covered by that makeup. Yeah, it's a great showcase for the makeup. It's a great showcase oh, yeah. for him as an actor, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where they go off it. I mean, I think even people who dislike this movie, they still love Penguin. Like I've not oh, met yeah. anybody who's just like, yeah, Penguin was shit. Like nobody's Ever- nobody has said anything bad about Colin Farrell's Penguin in this entire thing. At most, it's like, uh, like it's kind of a boring design. They could have given him a monocle or something or an umbrella with, that has a gun, but that's not really on his performance or the characterization. That's just kind of on the the realism of the world. But I've never seen anybody say that he was terrible or or anything really negative about it compared to some of the other aspects of this movie that. You know, the internet right. always oh, yeah. goes for the jugular for every single comic book movie on something. <laughs> Everyone likes Penguin and pretty much no one likes the Joker in this. Um, <laughs> you know, Sorry, at least Greg, the ma- at least at least makeup wise. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just a makeup thing. Like his acting yeah, no. was fine. It's really just the design of that makeup, man. That's what it really boils down yeah, to. Dude. It's just really off putting. Um, but yeah, like if you look at like a line like I ain't killed no Goyle, you know what I mean? 
Like, mm-hmm. let's say Matt Reeves writes that line. Let's say it wasn't even improv. I ain't killed no Goyle. Like, this fucking delivery, man. <laughs> God, that must have been Colin Farrell's decision. Because yeah. they always say that act, acting is about decisions and creating a character with the script you've been given uh, and doing as much as you can on your own without or with or without the director. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, it just really, really feels like he, he really created a lot of this. Yeah. It does yeah. feel that way. Uh, yeah. Like it, it, with reading the script too, it feels like if there's anybody doing improv, it's Colin Farrell. And yeah. if there's any character to do that with, it's this version. Cause I think people like this character because he adds some levity to the whole thing. Like, it, yes, yes. I didn't have a problem with the tone, but if you did like this, <laughs> this is the guy who provides the laughs in it. And he does it in a way where it doesn't cheapen the drama. It doesn't it's the worst Spanish I ever heard. <laughs> it does. It doesn't make it seem <laughs> like suddenly we've gone into, uh, you know, cheesy humor mode. It's it El, like earned. Humor. El Rata Lata. <laughs> It's I mean, who knows the difference between Alan Law? <laughs> no awful Espanol, fellas. It's the best. <laughs> That's one of the best lines of the whole goddamn movie. And it's also like a, a unique take on Penguin because most of the versions, he seems like, you know, like not every version is British, but like you understand why they make Penguin British sometimes because it seems like he talks like he talks with the demeanor of like, oh, I'm a gentleman and well-mannered. And instead they went in like full Sopranos mode. Uh, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah, Tony definitely. Soprano being an influence on, on the performance here. And definitely. I'm like, well, that's, that's not how I personally see Penguin, but I got to admit, it works, and it works damn yeah. well for this movie. Yes, definitely. Still uh, gangster shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you it know? totally fits the gangster shit. Yeah. Uh, some deleted moments here uh, in the hospital scene with Alfred. Bruce and Alfred hold hands, which is pretty much what ends the scene before Bruce sees the bat signal. But in the script, Alfred has a line about how Bruce won't be rid of him just yet. And Bruce brings up that he went into his parents' room the previous night and how it now feels so much smaller, which is, again, one of those things where I'm like, this is a nice character moment. You, this is not the button to the scene. Like does it just, connect at all yeah it doesn't really there wasn't really that big of a thing about his parents room there wasn't a scene where alfred was just like you should go in one of these days why is there the lock here and like the, they, they didn't really build that up so i could see why they're like eh, let's just end it with him holding alfred's hand and that's the perfect end of the scene they they did right they did the right decision for this one mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's a process man yep trying uh, to find the trying to find the right movie in, in all of this yeah uh another deleted moment is batman actually pulling up in the batmobile uh, across the street from the iceberg lounge to see selena about to go in and try to take out falcone so uh i don't know why they cut that part but presumably he changes into the drifter outfit to infiltrate the club from there mm-hmm. um another interesting thing too selena does not claw falcone's face in the script i thought that was oh weird that must have been a decision later on, but maybe not necessarily on that day. But uh, no, not I mean, on that day, a, probably. It's 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 a great moment. It's it's one of those things where they brought the comic to life. Yes, that's true. Uh, let's jump to the finale again. I don't have a ton on the third act, other than when Batman gets shot by the shotgun in the movie. It's just like, all right, he just hits, gets you know, he gets saved by the armor. In the script, Jesus. It says that it went through his armor, and we see quote buckshot in exposed skin. So nice battle fought. damage. Yeah, he gets actual battle damage in that, which I think, I mean, that definitely would have 
really shown how hardcore he's having to fight through the pain when he injects himself in the next part and he has to save everybody and shit. Like he, he's fighting yeah. through all that through the rest of, cause this guy doesn't go home to rest after he fights all the Riddler guys. He saves the people there. Uh, he brings them out. It's still fucking daylight when he's bringing, you know, all the survivors out over to the paramedics and the helicopters and stuff. Like this guy has not had any single rest there this whole time. So that's one of those small things that I'm like, eh, that could have been cool. But I mean, the whole beat is there where he's already shot. So it, yeah, it would have just been an added detail. Right. Uh, and lastly, again, guys, Batman is confirmed to inject himself with adrenaline in the script. There's no venom. There's no random comic book serum thing. It is a it does say adrenaline, but it does say that it's to his neck, not to a designated spot in his leg. And I feel like they might have changed it because they're like, well, his cow's supposed to be armored his cow's supposed to be bulletproof it looks like leather but it's supposed to be bulletproof whereas you know i think in the movie they built in he's got like an injection site built in where he would have access for the needle to go through and into his skin which i'm like well that would be something that bruce would do yeah yeah definitely that's contingency yeah so after all that is there anything andrew that you feel like should have been kept in um no, like you said, I feel like they kind of made all the right decisions. Um, mm -hmm. I was I was thinking maybe there was more with Alfred or something because the Alfred stuff's really it gets skimmed. a short shrift, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it gets short shrift in the final thing. So, um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's a testament to what they told us in uh, in uh, film school. A film is made three times: once on paper once while shooting and once in the editing room. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you, we, through our deep dives, we've kind of seen this happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the only thing that I think could have helped were like some of these small things that I've already mentioned, you know, like planting the padlock door earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or maybe yeah. like more of the, the battle damage with a bat suit at the end. I mean, these other things, the Barbara Gordon shout out is a cool Easter egg, but it's not necessary. The Joker scene. Right. I like it. Movie works well without it. Same thing with the penguin moment with Selena, with him talking about his ambitions. Like they're nice scenes that they made the right choices. Definitely. Yeah, it's not a Batman Forever type situation. So. Nope, not at all. If anything, it's just like yeah. eh, they, made, they made, It's the first time we were just like, eh, no notes in terms of what they should have kept. <laughs> <laughs> no notes. Yeah, you did good, Reeves. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I know I said that stuff about Barry's makeup, but other than that, yeah. What can I say? I mean, who Pretty knows? Good. Maybe years from now, there'll be an earlier draft that leaks out that maybe has some of the stuff that addresses our issues that might have been, you know, maybe there's more Alfred scenes in earlier drafts. Maybe there's another payoff that I felt was missing to the glider shit. Like, it, yeah. maybe there's other stuff. But until then, that's superhero stuff you should know. In the meantime... Big thanks to Dan for the visuals on this. Make sure to check out our $5 Patreon this week where I included a lot of the smaller moments from this script that we didn't talk about in this episode. Uh, you know, moments in the script that made me notice new things in the movie when I looked back at it. So we'll cover that in this week's $5 tier. But till then, nice. some of the uh, comments that we got from Jose Daniel Gutierrez. Uh, sorry if I butchered that. Uh, says, do you know there are storyboards, I think he meant storyboards, of James Cameron Spider-Man that you should have used in the video? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> uh, as we commented here, the only ones we could find were these fan-made storyboards from Daniel Tomasi, illustrated in 2000, 
2001 paired with a script meant in 2016, uh, Tomasi being an Italian artist who storyboarded a lot of Cameron's script meant. Uh, I wrote, while cool, we didn't want to confuse people into thinking they were the actual storyboards. Unfortunately, just given the nature of the internet, a lot of people have been um, bringing these storyboards out and passing them off as Cameron's own storyboards, but they were actually <laughs> done by this fan, Daniel Tomasi, and we also highlighted a lot more of that in our $5 tier Patreon for the James Cameron stuff where we got to sort of go over all the different uh, storyboards that Tomasi illustrated. So check that out if you're part of the $5 tier, but thank you. Thank you. Uh, over to here. Okay. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. So Hold on. I think the, uh, your, the video is not up on the thing. Oh, okay. For the comments. Uh, -huh. okay. Well, that's there we go. There, yeah, there it is. Go. So, uh, this is from Jose earlier on Cameron Spider-Man, but, uh, this is Captain Beast Winger. So just to give you some context, there is a storyline called Spider-Man Reign that uh, is kind of supposed to be the Dark Knight Returns of Spider-Man, where it's supposed to be old Spider-Man. And at one okay. point, it's revealed that uh, in this possible depressing as fuck future, Mary Jane is dead due to the radiation of, I shit you not, Peter's radioactive sperm. Oh my God, we don't need all that. I know. So Captain That's Beast like Winger, some edgelord shit. Captain Beeswinger comments on our camera in the 93 uh, script saying, remember Spider-Man Reign where Wiener ends up killing Mary Jane? This guy just keeps killing Peter's loved ones. <laughs> oh, Thank you, Captain Beeswinger. This is a winning comment. Yes. <laughs> so, oh my God. Uh, and then last one, Man of Action commented on our Spider-Man coverage saying, with great power comes great responsibility, came from Uncle Ben's mouth in 1987. And later in 1994, Spider-Man, the animated series, also David Kep's Spider-Man script dated August 30th, 2000, says based on a treatment by James Cameron. I think Cameron's name should have been in the movie as well. Thank you. Man I can't action. believe that wasn't from Stan Lee. I thought Stan Lee created that line. He did create the line, but it uh, it is in the comic. It's just in the narration. Yeah. It's not oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. directly said by Uncle Ben. That was okay, what, uh, gotcha. you know, uh, I think Man of Action is, is pointing out is that it's it's directly said mm -hmm. by Uncle Ben in pop culture. We always associate that with Uncle Ben, but he didn't actually say it in the original comic. It's only because later interpretations had it so that, and it makes a lot of sense that Uncle Ben is yes. the one who tells it to him, and then Peter learns the lesson the hard way when Uncle Ben dies. Yes. Thank you, Man of Action. Thank Over you. Over to the shout outs. All right, everybody, we want to thank uh, everybody here, but uh, some of the recent people such as Yusuf A, Kevin R, Derek O, Renee V, and Tita, and other supporters as well. And uh, yeah, that's it. So um, we've told you about our friends, and now we'd like you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. Yep. Yep. Oh! <laughs> going in god damn what happened peanut just jumped <laughs> out of nowhere <laughs> oh my god it's on okay. film